0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. This morning, we're actually going to be finishing our series on destiny. Remember, we're talking about destiny as this God's unique and preferred plan for your life. This is what God has for you. This is what He wants for you. First week, we talked about ways to discover your destiny. You know, how does that? What does that look like? In the subsequent weeks, we've been talking about ways to avoid that. The idea that destiny is not automatic. You know, we might have plans and intentions for somebody, but how they respond and the choices they make and their behavior in certain ways will determine if they actually achieve that. And so we looked at the, the person of Paul and some of the challenges he faced and the potential, how for discouragement, where you're just so discouraged, you just kind of lose faith and you just kind of fall off the path, so to speak. And then after that, we talked about Joseph How sometimes we're going through life and things are great and God's given us a dream and a vision and then things outside of our control, things that we can't control at all, hit us out of the blue. We find ourselves in situations that we would rather not be in, but we are. And so how does this idea of detours, how does that affect us when we're going through life? And then last week, you know, Kate talked about this idea of self-deception, of Samson, that Again, sometimes we begin to believe too much in our own abilities and who we are, and we lose sight of the fact that God is at work. And so as we've been, today we're going to look at this idea of distractions. The distractions of life can cause us to chase things that take us away from our destiny. Again, contrary to that, though, people who reach their potential and fulfill their destiny determine to act on their priorities and stay focused on the things that really matter. So on the basis of our study here for the next few minutes, we're going to look at the person of King Solomon. Now Solomon is king of Israel. He's actually the son of David, King David. And so he's his son. King David, um, to this day, is considered one of the greatest leaders of all history, of all time. David's considered so. So he's, he's following... His father. So, I mean, he's he's got big shoes to fill. Um, The passage we're going to look at here to kind of launch ourselves this morning is actually taken at the very end or towards the end of his lifetime, of his reign. And it it really gives us an insight as to how his reign ended. So, if you have uh, your, want to follow the screens, we're going to be looking at the passage from 1 Kings chapter 11. We're going to start with verses 1 through 6 and we're going to skip over 7 and 8 and then pick up again in verses 9 through 11. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. And then jump down to verse 9. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you... I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, we have the opportunity to look at the life of Solomon. Solomon, who uh, just really had an amazing situation to walk into. Israel was at the height of its power of influence, and he inherited that leadership role. Father, as we've just read, it didn't end well for him. I pray, Father, next few minutes, as we dig a little deeper, that you'd help us to see which of those things he did, some of those decisions he made, might we be facing even ourselves today. And so, Lord, may we learn from him. May you speak to us this day, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire? few of you. Now, it came out in 1981, you know, so it's it's an older movie. Um, It's it's a great movie. It has an even better soundtrack. If you ever had a chance to get the soundtrack for Chariots of Fire, it's actually uh, some pretty cool music. But it's the story of a Scottish runner, a sprinter. Um, Eric Little is his name. And so, Eric, uh, Eric, he was actually born to the parents of missionaries to China. He's English, so his, his, his context is Great Britain, um, but his parents were missionaries to China. He was actually born in China, but at the age of six, was taken back to England, and he's put in boarding school. So he basically grew up in boarding school in England. Um, it was quickly discovered that Eric Little is an amazing athlete, really, really good athlete, very fast, um, and to the point where as he matured and grew, that uh, continued to win races and tournaments and meets and stuff that... Um, he actually represented Great Britain in the 100-meter dash in the 1924 Paris Olympics. Um, so again, he's a world-class sprinter at that point. Um, so he gets to Paris for, and finds out that the first heat, you know how they do that, the different heats to get to the final, the first heat for his 100-meter race is on a Sunday afternoon. Eric Little had a really, really strong conviction that you're not to do anything on Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. And that was his conviction. He said, I just, he, said, he didn't condemn anyone else. He didn't make, he just said, you know what? I, I can't do this. This is, I, I just can't do this. And he said, I'm not going to run. Huge. I mean, imagine that. You've got, you're representing your country. And all of a sudden you say, yeah, I'm not going to run. I just can't do it. And so there is, they didn't have Twitter back then, but you can imagine what would have been going on, all the different comments and things happening. And, and there was a lot of people coming out against him saying, how could you do, it almost like he's betraying his country. You know, if you're patriotic, it just it was really, really a tough thing. But he held firm, and, and he said, I'm not going to do it. He refused to run. And uh, interestingly enough, though, there was space somehow that, uh, so he didn't run the 100 meters, but on the 400 meter t- race, there was actually an empty slot for Great Britain. So, so, so they said, you want to run here? So he said, sure. Well, any of you who have run track, um, you know that there's a great difference between 100 meters and 400 meters, you know, the hundred meters you just run all out as fast as you can for hundred I mean it's you, you somebody don't even breathe. I mean you just just run and as fast as you can go. Four hundred meters is well, it's obviously four times that. And it's just it's a much different race. And so no one expected him to do well. They expect you know, just he just he was placing. But interestingly enough, not only did he do well, he won. Not only did he win, he set the world record at the time for the 400-meter race. Never run it before, but he broke the world record when he did win it. The thing is, Eric Little's story doesn't end there. One year later, he walked away from track and field and all the popularity, all the fame, potential wealth and fortune that comes with that. And in 1925, he returned to China to be a missionary. And for the next 18 years, he was a teacher and taught in different things and the missionary. And then, Unfortunately, 1943, if you're familiar with church history, 1943, World War II, Japan and China, are at war. the Japanese round up all the foreigners in China, and he spends the next few years in a Japanese prison camp in China. Um, conditions were terrible. Um, food, I mean, people were, it was, it was really devastating. Just, uh, it was, it was not, um, it was really terrible. They were given basically a piece of bread and a bowl of soup a day. That's what they were given to live, and he didn't do well, and Two years, he spent two years in there, and uh, he became very ill and disease ridden. And, um, and, and then, in two years at the age of 46, he dies in a Japanese prison. <clears throat> Some people, you know, when you compare Eric Little's story with the story of Solomon we just read, you might know, say, you know, there's really very little difference. They both end sadly. I mean, they, that's, both of them end in ways that you wouldn't want or hope anyone end. I would suggest that, in terms of destiny, they couldn't be more different. Eric Little. It's interesting to see what happened as a result of his life. The Episcopal Church. I guess that was part of the denomination. Was they've actually, if you look in the Episcopal calendar for the year, they actually have a fe- one of their feast days is actually there in uh, on February twenty second. in honor of Eric Little. So their whole movement added a day for their liturgical calendar. The University of Edinburgh created a sports scholarship and named it after him. The city of Edinburgh established the Eric Little Center, dedicated to inspiring, empowering, and supporting people of all ages, cultures, and abilities as an expression of compassionate Christian values even as recently as 2002, so even more recently, when uh, um, Scotland actually put together their first um, Hall of Fame, their Athletic Hall of Fame, and uh, uh, throughout, you know, throughout the, the, the history of their country, Eric Little, in 2002, topped the public vote as the most popular sporting hero Scotland had ever produced. Sometimes our destiny is not that we achieve fame, fortune, and power. Sometimes our destiny is more about our legacy. It's what we leave behind. It's what happens to those who come after us. Sometimes our life is for the benefit of others, and our destiny is to leave a legacy. Solomon, on the other hand, you know, he's still known as one of the wisest persons who ever lived. To this day, Solomon is looked at as the wisest person who's ever lived. In fact, the book of Proverbs, most of the Proverbs that are written in the Bible are attributed to Solomon. That These are words that he has written. So even so, most who look at his life, they look at his life as one of disappointment because of what might have been, because of the way it ended. It didn't end very well. The tragedy is that Solomon started out so well He really did. Everything was really good and everything he did was right and proper and godly and it was all going so well. King Solomon was the wisest and richest king to ever rule in Israel because of God's plan and provision for his life. God had a great destiny for Solomon but distractions sabotaged his destiny. When uh, David... Solomon's father was nearing the end of his life and he knew he didn't have much time left. He actually called Solomon in and he gave him, this, he gave him a charge. He said, all right, you're gonna be the next king. So they made that known and, and uh, there was things they did to make that proper and everything, but he said this to Solomon. I think it's interesting that it's recorded for us in 1 Kings chapter two. He says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. He said, so be strong and act like a man and observe what the Lord requires walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. So God said to David, he said, if your descendants watch how they live and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. Think about that. It's really, really simple. Just follow God and honor him and while you do, then, you will have this long line of rulers over the country. And things started out great. In First Kings chapter 3, God appears to Solomon, um, and he, he presents him with this opportunity to ask for whatever he wants. It really is one of those genie in the bottle kind of a moment. You know, if you get the genie come out and says, you have three wishes, what do you wish for? This literally happened, except it was God coming to him and says, what do you want? If you ask for any one thing, I'll give it to you. Um, he didn't ask for three more wishes, um, but uh, he did, he did, uh, he said, what, what's interesting is that Solomon said, you know, I'm still kind of young. Most, most people think that Solomon's probably in his 20s at this point in time. He says, I'm really young. He says, I've, this, is, this is a big people. This is a big group. And they're still really diverse and still really complicated. to, learn how to lead.' He said, God, I just really want wisdom and discernment to know how to lead well. I just want to, I don't want to lead well. God was so pleased with this wish. He not only gives him the wisdom to lead well, but he also said, because of this, you're gonna get the riches and honor and the power and the fame and everything else too. It was like, bonus. I was like, this is a good thing. All right. Here was, actually, here was God's response. He says, I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever, ever be. I mean, imagine that. There will never have been anyone. I mean, you will be better than anyone who's ever gone before you, and there will never be anyone like you ever again. That's pretty cool. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, again, referring back to David, David did it right, I will give you a long life. So again, there wasn't a lot of complexity. There wasn't a thing. You have this list of 55 things you need to keep track of. It was really just kind of one. Just do what you're supposed to do. Just honor me and follow me and, and things will go well. And certainly, and, and that's what happened. King Solomon grew in his fame and wealth and he amassed, the, the wealth that he amassed was unprecedented. During his reign as king, Israel experienced prosperity and peace. In all of its history up to that point, there had been conflicts and battles and wars with the neighboring armies. During the first 20, 30 years of Solomon's reign, no conflicts whatsoever. They were at peace with everyone around them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine living in the US and there is no conflict? You know, I mean, that would be, wouldn't that be just be cool to live in a place where that was the case? King, 1 Kings 10 says that King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. So he was there. He had it all. And again, God comes to Solomon again, later on in a dream. <clears throat> Actually, no. I'm saying this time he came to him through. uh, um, We're not told how he came. Just that the word of the Lord came to to Solomon. Kind of get the sense it may have been through a prophet or some seer at a point in time. And the word was given to Solomon that that said, "This. If as for you, if you walk." before me faithfully in integrity of heart and uprightness as David your father did and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever as I promised David your father when I said you shall never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel but but If you or your sons turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. Solomon had everything. He was set. He he had everything. He had the fame. He had the power. He had the wealth. But he also had the blessing and favor of God. I mean, really, he had it all. And yet, it wasn't enough. He got distracted. As we just read, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. And it references Ashtaroth, the, god, the goddess of the Sidonians, who are the Canaanites. This was a group who was constantly a threat and a conflict with Israel. Just, 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 it was the thorn in, thorn in their side from the very beginning that was always there. And then it made this special notice of Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Um, Moloch required, as part of this religion, required child sacrifices. This was really bad. Now, we don't know that Solomon actually participated in those rituals, but the fact that he even honored and gave any, any, any recognition or honor or some form of worship to that God was beyond comprehension. How could he do that is just beyond any understanding. Solomon, Solomon he wasn't just careless and negligent. This wasn't like he just wasn't paying attention and, and loss. This was really, really bad. These were conscious choices that he made to not do something. He knew better. He allowed his desires and passions to override his commitment to honor God. He allowed distractions to mislead him and he turned away from God. He did not finish well. And the kingdom was given to one of his subordinates. Within days of Solomon's death, uh, um, his son, Rehoboam, uh, becomes king. Within days of Rehoboam coming king, there's another leader, Jeroboam. It gets a little confusing because they sound Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam, or Jeroboam brings a contingent of people from the other tribes and says, hey, we've got a problem here. And it ends up splitting. The kingdom of Israel within days of Solomon's death splits in two. But it's not an even split. It's not 50-50. It's essentially the, the, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. The two, um, both Judah's were David's tribe. Benjamin um, is one of the smaller groups. That was the one. That's where Rehoboam, that's contained the lineage of, of David and Solomon. The other Israel, the other 10 tribes, the larger of the two was now led by Jeroboam. Within days of Solomon's death, the kingdom splits and is never the same ever again. So, what are some of the takeaways? What are some of the takeaways from Solomon? <clears throat> I think one of the takeaways for us is, is that your destiny is discovered in your pursuit of God, not things. Your destiny is con- discovered in your pursuit of God, not things. Now, let me be clear. This is not a lesson against polygamy, okay? Um, although, was like, how does a guy aspire for a thousand wives and concubines? I just... Um, I, <laughs> I I don't get it. I I have one wonderful wife, and that's plenty, you know. So uh, (laughs) uh, I I don't. uh, I just like seriously, a thousand? How does that work? Um, Now, to be honest and fair, there is some debate in scholars as we look at this as to is that an actual number or is it figurative? And the reason why I mention is this is because earlier on um, it talks about Solomon building his palace, and it gives the dimensions. His palace is 11,000 square feet, okay? So we know it because it tells it's this many cubits long, this many cubits wide. It's 11,000 square feet. If he's got 1,000 wives and concubines, that's 11 square feet per woman. That doesn't work. You know, unless maybe they had them all farmed out to different locations. They weren't all living in the palace. But again, it raises questions as to how this works and what, what does this look like? And I, I, I don't know, but... It's not a lesson against that. I mean, that's not what what Solomon's judged for, is it? God never come back and says, because you took these wives is the problem. The problem was that they turned your heart. So that's one thing. This also isn't a lesson about wanting to be rich or powerful. He's not condemned for having wealth. In fact, God gave him the wealth, gave him the power, gave him the fame and the fortune. That's not the issue here. The issue is very simple. The issue is allowing something else to distract you from God to divert your attention from following and pursuing God with your whole heart. The pursuit of a relationship, you know, could be a distraction. You know, if I could just find that one person in my life, I would be happier then. And that gets all of our time and attention and focus. Or maybe for us, again, it's not pursuing wives and concubines, but maybe it's the pursuit of career advancement. If I could just get that position, if I could just get that raise, and, and, that, and we, we begin to notice that because that is such a priority for us, we begin to shift our thinking and our priorities, and we find ourselves doing things we maybe wouldn't do otherwise, and, or maybe it's the pursuit of financial security, if I could just get a little more, learn a little bit less, and that causes us again to, not that any one of those in and of themselves are wrong, That's it's, it's the fact that they cause us to actually divert our attention. We're distracted. And again, we find ourselves doing things and saying things and behaving in ways that probably we wouldn't do because our focus is not on doing the things that honor God. Solomon was condemned not because of the things he had, but because he worshipped other gods. And for us, it might, be not, not, might not be Ashtaroth or it might not be Moloch, but maybe it is a relationship or maybe it is a career. Or maybe it is financial security. There's something else that is taking our attention and maybe something else entirely altogether. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us, the, which, again, are from Solomon. You'd think he would know better. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I mean, for many of us, that's one of our favorites, isn't it? We know that one off the top of our head for most. So that's one takeaway. Your destiny is discovered in your pursuit of God, not things. Another takeaway from Solomon might be this. Allow God's word to be your guide, not your fleshly desires. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Sometimes we settle for things that look to be so much more pleasurable, enjoyable, profitable, beneficial one. Actually, we're settling for so much less than what God has for us. Psalm 1 says this, said, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. And whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. Then, lastly, our our final takeaway would be this: <clears throat> Don't allow comfort and success to lull you into complacency. Solomon ruled for forty years. We learned that at the end in First uh, Kings <clears throat> chapter eleven. He said he reigned for forty years. The first twenty went really well. The first seven he built the temple. The first, the next thirteen, his palace. So his palace took twice as long and was three times the size of the temple, but but still. So his palace took 20 years with construction. And at that time, they had peace. They had everything was running great. The second 20 years, there were trouble. Started having problems. Now, here's the thing to remember. Solomon's fall didn't happen overnight. It wasn't as if he just woke up one morning and says, huh. I'm done. I want a little variety in life. I'm going to disregard everything I've learned, everything I know to be true, and just be bad. Do something really stupid and evil and sinful. See, that's not how it worked. It didn't happen that way. It takes time to marry 700 women and acquire 300 concubines. But here's the thing along the way. Four different times, Solomon was warned. David, when he was first giving him his charge when he was first saying, you're going to be the king. Two different times, three different times, sorry, three different times, I'm sorry. Two different times, God comes to him specifically by God's voice in a dream, says to psalm. here's when in the third time, then maybe through a prophetic voice. But four different times, Solomon's given very specific direction about how, what he needs to do. How, so how does this happen? How do we go from life is great and perfect and you're doing everything right and your passion and pursuit of God and all the other things are happening, how does it go to, I'm taking it all away from you and not only you, but your whole country is now going to be taken away and it's just devastating. And It happens because the consequences from falling away from God do not happen immediately. Consequences are rarely, 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 rarely Immediate. They're delayed. It's um, like this. Some of you may be familiar with uh, this. It's called the one to sixty rule. And if you're familiar with, uh, if I can have the last uh, picture. If you're if you're sitting in the center and, and you're going on the the, the 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 line out, if you vary your direction one degree. So in the scheme of this, we're talking a very 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 minor one degree. If if you go 60 miles, off at the end of 60 miles, you'll then be one mile off course, okay? So if you're off one degree, if you go 60 miles, you'll be one mile off course. So what's the key variable here? Time. The longer you're off course, the further away you get. And so if you're going from Charlotte to Los Angeles... 2,400 miles, if you're off one degree, by the time you get where you think will be Los Angeles, you'll be 40 miles, in this case, you'll be 40 miles north of L.A. That's the idea that's being portrayed here with Solomon. Solomon knew what he was doing was wrong. But just really, it was just, probably the first time it was just something, he just probably, it wasn't a big major deal and nothing happened. Okay. And over time, he does it again, and nothing happens. And all of a sudden, he finds himself, over time, 20, 30 years, he's now way, way off course. And for him, there is a price to pay, one that has really, really dire consequences for him and for this kingdom. May we never, never become complacent with God may we never become complacent in our pursuit of God. Just pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we've uh, just spent these last few minutes here just looking at Solomon's life, Lord, the first half of his life is such an amazing story. Just the, the, the wisdom, discernment, and the knowledge you gave him beyond comparison to anyone that we would know or have known. He had it all. Lord, what an amazing story of your faithfulness to even David, his father, and uh, what you've done through Solomon, and how that per- continued through and, But Father, it was such a sad story because it didn't end well. Lord, and it, it uh, in so many ways, it's just really hard to, to understand how someone who had it all could lose it all so so, um, so profoundly. But Father, I also know for all of us the distractions of life are ever present. We can never get rid of them. And Lord, we may not do something as detestable as offering sacrifices, or doing something to another God. And, and likewise, Lord, we may not break any laws or crimes, or we may not do something that's really, really bad. But Father, I know every one of us, Lord God, find ourselves distracted, whether it's the appeal to do something different or something new, or maybe it's the desire, or, or maybe um, that it's just the, the wanting to be out of a certain situation or circumstances that causes us maybe to make compromising decisions. At the moment, it's very reasonable to make that decision. But Lord, when in the heart, we know we're probably just shifted our life a little one degree off course. So Father, my prayer for those this morning who may find themselves not where they want to be. They're off course and they know it. And I pray, Lord God, that you would first affirm your love for them. Lord, that it's not too late. The time of judgment hasn't come yet. They can still make that change. Repent and come back to you and get their life back on course. Lord, may they have their courage to do that this day. And Father, for us as well, who um, maybe, we've, maybe we're okay Maybe we'll feel like we're still on course. Lord, I would pray, Lord, if that's the case, that you would give us the ability to sense and be aware of when those distractions come, that we would recognize them for what they are. That they are the, those opportunities that would take us off course. And Lord, Lord, may we be people that recognize those moments. Not because we're any more special or because we have this divine anything, but it's simply because that we desire you. We want to follow you. We want to pursue you with everything we have. And So Lord God, I again just thank you and pray and ask Lord Jesus that you would work your purposes in us and through us, that uh, Father, we, each of us would realize the destinies that you have for us, that your purposes and plans for us would be realized, that we would come to the end of our life and that there would, the statement there would be, he honored God or she honored God through every day of their life. Lord, may that be the testimony for each of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.